0: good morning church family good to see everyone here in person and those that are tuning in online today uh, welcome happy Sunday hope everybody is enjoying the spring-like temperatures Uh, on Friday I made the mistake of ordering uh, maybe a little too much mulch uh, delivered it to my driveway and kind of blocking in the garage and uh, so you know what happens when you do that it's kind of a motivation we got to get this thing done and get it knocked out and uh, I was dropped off about 9.30 on Friday morning, and I think we finished at 8.30 on Friday night. Uh, My eyes must have gotten a little bigger than my yard or something, but uh, anyway, I'm tired this morning. I've cut the grass yesterday. Everything's all ready. uh, uh, later on this weekend, we're going to put out some pine straw in the very back and get it all cleaned up. I'm, I love this time of year. Pollen will be done soon, hopefully. And I get the house power washed and uh, ready for uh, spring and summer. Looking forward to a great time. I want to I encourage you this morning, if you have not plugged into one of our new life groups, let me ch- encourage you to stop by the welcome desk, get some information about that. A lot of those just launched this past week. It's a great way to build community, build relationships, grow in your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ and encourage you just to make the opportunity to be a part of one of those. Uh, Last week in our uh, life group, we were talking about the the Church Center app and uh, I think Crystal mentioned it on the the, uh, video just a moment ago. Uh, that church center app is really your way to stay connected with everything that's happening here in church life if you'll download the church center app then it goes it'll ask you to pull up the actual church that you attend and you'll put in calvary Valley church all of our events are on there. You can register. You can pay for things on there. You can give on there. Uh, you can find out about all of the children's ministries and uh, student ministries. Uh, register for different events that they're doing. And uh, find out and communicate with your small group uh, through that app. So if you haven't done that, go ahead and download that and, uh, this morning. And I know it will help you stay connected. Matt, uh, looking at the book of Mark, chapter 14. Last Sunday, we started a, a brand new series called Emotions. And uh, if you're ready for a confession, uh, sometimes people uh, they'll see the pastor and they want to uh, they start confessing. I'll I'll run into some of you sometimes in Home Depot and people will start just spilling their whole life story right there in the in the plumbing aisle, not that I'm a plumber, I can't do anything with plumbing I'll be right there trying to pull something and they'll start saying, Pastor David, I haven't been at church in all this time and they'll start telling all these things that like I've made them somehow feel guilty and that's never intentional I'm not that kind of a person but they'll start telling all of their family story or, or spilling all the beans and, and I'm ultimately thinking to myself, hey you don't need to tell me that, uh, I, I'm I'm not a priest. Uh, You have just as much access to God as I do. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you can tell him that and let him deal with your heart on that. But uh, I want to give you a, a confession this morning. I know sometimes people have their pastor on a, on a pedestal and really they hold you to a standard that you can't live up to yourself and, and they don't want to live to on, on that same level themselves. Same way with the pastor's kid. I grew up as a, as a PK. For those of you that maybe are fairly new to church, a PK is a pastor's kid. Uh, and uh, there are certain expectations of PK's that are really uh, unattainable. I mean, they're going to be absolutely perfect. There's another uh, acronym uh, MK, a missionary's kid. And and there's sometimes uh, certain feelings uh, that missionaries kids are going to be absolutely perfect little angels. And you know, the, the missionaries that have the easiest time getting to the mission field are usually ones that don't have kids yet, because uh, you're going from church to church and those kids are not there yet. They haven't been born yet. And so once you get kids, I remember we were building the worship center uh, several years ago, and this was one big, huge mud slab out here. The the ground was ready. They were getting ready to dig the footings and start building the building. And we had a mission conference, and there were I don't know. There was probably 12 kids that particular year that came. Their parents were missionaries. Came to our mission conference. There was one family that had like four or five little redheaded kids. They were cute as could be. But they got out here and running around on this muddy pad. And literally, there was mud on one end of the church from one end to the other. I mean, they had struck. It was all over the the lobbies, the hallways, and those were carpeted at the time. And it was, it was. And you know, mom and dad are over there going, "We're never gonna ever see this church again. They're never." Gonna to take us on for any kind of support or encourage us, and we're like, you know what, don't worry about it. They're kids, but there's certain expectations sometimes placed on kids. Same thing with a pastor. Sometimes they have a, an expectation that they're perfect or that they they somehow have life all figured out, and can I just, I want to maybe kind of let the the, the the window pull back, so, or the, the curtain pull back. Uh, you know what? We struggle with the same things that you struggle with. And, and I, I heard people say one time you know, the, the king or the queen gets dressed the same way you do, all right maybe they have a bigger wardrobe than we do, but they get dressed the same way that you do. They have the same struggles sometimes they have a stomach bug i mean we don 't want to think about that, but you know they do I mean we all struggle with uh, i can 't sleep at night or i can 't do this or pollen allergies and all of the struggles that we have and as your pastor i want to tell you sometimes there are times i I, first of all i love the lord i know that I, i have a relationship with the lord i know that christ is my savior he's forgiven me of my sin but there are times in my life that i struggle with anxiety there are times in my life that i get super anxious about things and you say pastor you look so calm and at ease i am right now but there are moments that Uh, anxiety will creep in and it'll try to overtake me and it'll try to uh, discourage me and uh, there are some Sundays... I mean, I'll uh, just—there'll be a—and that's—if you ever notice me on Sunday morning, I don't spend a ton of time before church uh, getting around and communicating. Why? Because people will talk to you, and and they'll start unloading on you. And before long, you're trying to keep your mind focused on the Word and and worship, and all of a sudden you're you're distracted because you now have the burdens of, of everybody else that you're carrying at that moment there are times as a pastor maybe it's a christmas eve service and the the building is absolutely packed and i thrive on that kind of stuff but the reality is there's still that that still small voice in the back of your mind going everything's hinging on you (laughs) Uh, it'll be easter sunday and it's a packed house and you're like you better deliver this morning i mean and people make comments like yeah it's game day or we talk about it's the super bowl for the for the church and And there's that pressure when all the chips are down, when all of the band and all the musicians have gone to their seats and everyone is staring at you and they're looking for a message from God. I told Jackson, our student pastor, several years ago, I said, you need to always have a sermon ready because you never know when you may, at a moment's notice, be called on to speak. And so you always always have a message. And my very first Sunday, the first weekend that I was on staff here, dad goes and has a stroke. I mean, who knew on Saturday night after being at a party, and I I promise you he wasn't drinking or or doing any of those things, he was at a a graduation party, and all of a sudden he goes to the hospital and has a stroke, and about nine o'clock at night he says, well I uh he was studying his sermon in the in the emergency room and, and the nurses said what are you doing and he said well i'm getting ready to preach tomorrow and she said oh no you're not you're not going anywhere you're going to be here for a while and we're going to figure out what's going on and get you healthy and strong and and so dad looks over at me and says well i guess you're preaching tomorrow the only thing i'd ever done here was give announcements i was terrified and I remember thinking to myself, what in the world am I going to preach? And all of a sudden, I was like, well, I mean, I've gone to school for this. I've done this in class before. There's got to be, there's some sermons that I've already done for school. And I pulled one out on a late Saturday night and said, we're going to use this on Sunday morning. I can feel it. The Holy Spirit's moving here, all right? So I was doing that, I remember, on a Saturday night. About 6.30, I will never forget, I was sitting in the, in the parking lot at Harris Teeter in Fuquay and dad calls and says, son, we've landed in Atlanta, uh, we're coming back from Nicaragua, but we've missed our flight to Raleigh because we got out late. And he says, I'm not going to be there tomorrow to preach. It was Saturday night before Easter Sunday morning. I'm just a youth pastor, that's not my job. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking, what in the world, tomorrow morning? I was like, well, you can get on the the early flight, the red. get out here and be here by 7 a.m. It's like, no, but our flight's not gonna land until about 12 or 12.30. I drove up to the office and Daniel, I sat at my desk in there and I was like, Lord, I need you to give me a sermon, and I need it quick. I mean, like really, really quick. I mean, and I was absolutely petrified of, I've got to stand up tomorrow morning, and and my wife, God bless her, she is, uh, she prays for me cautiously, and she said, well, I mean, you know the Easter story. I mean, how hard can this be? And I'm like, wait a minute, it's not that simple. Everyone else out there knows the Easter story too, but yet I've got to somehow bring something in such a way that they're going to be drawn in, and, and people will want to hear the story of Jesus. And, and folks, uh, you put pressure on yourself sometimes that don't even doesn't really exist. But I have those feelings of anxiety, and, and there's uh, there's been a couple times. I've had full-blown panic attacks. I remember a few years ago, we were, uh, took our kids to the Great Wolf Lodge, and I was laying there sleeping, and I woke up with this total onslaught of a panic attack. And I was, I mean, I started crying, and I was completely out of sorts. And, and my wife is like, what's going on? And I was like, I, I, I can't get on that plane. And she said, what are you talking about? You're dreaming. I said, no. I said, I was getting ready to go to, Nick, to India in, in two weeks. And I said, I'm absolutely panicked about a 21 hour flight. I said, I'm gonna be trapped in that plane. And and, and I, I was just absolutely panicking. I said, I feel like the ceiling is caving in on me in this room. And and she was like, it, it's a vaulted ceiling. It's huge. The room is big. And I was like, I don't care. I feel like, and I went outside to the parking lot and for like two hours I stood out there in the parking lot thinking, I don't know if I can go, I can't go on this flight. I can't go to India. I'm just gonna have to call the pastors and tell them I can't go there. And And then finally, I was like, all right, you've got to pull yourself together and you've got to get back inside. And I walked back into the lobby and I was like, I can't go inside. And the lobby's like three stories tall and I'm sitting there going, I'm not sure how I'm ever going to make it up to that. And and I remember waking up and feeling that band on my wrist from the water park and I I yanked it off because I'm like, it's it's choking me. And it was very real. And there was moments I was like, there's no way I can get on that flight. But folks, I'm going to tell you, these moments of anxiety moments of fear moments of panic happen to the best of people there are moments in our lives that we cannot control and, and folks those things happen in our lives and we're wondering sometimes you might look back over the last year of 2020 and and it brings great feelings of anxiety fear sphere a, a, a period of panic and people are going to say You know, I I think you're going to look back on 2020 in history, and it's going to be the year everyone talks about. We talked about the Great Depression, and I mean, everyone that was alive during that time knows. I mean, you saved every single thing. You've got every pie pan that ever came from the grocery store. I mean, you kept every, my grandparents, we helped clean up their house. I mean, God help us, we had every basket that ever had strawberries in it from the grocery store. I mean, they didn't throw away a single thing. We're gonna look back at 2020, and it's gonna be like an adjective. You know, Don't go 2020 on me. I mean, don't, don't go crazy. Don't go panicking. Don't go, you know, and it's like that certain feeling of everything in the world crashing down. All of a sudden, a year that looks so promising, uh, is so disrupted by a a pandemic and economic fears, racial tensions, political division. And then you have to turn on the news. I mean, seriously, I mean, the, the bias in our news system is made to disrupt us, to divide us. to to destroy us as a people. And all of these things are happening. it's no wonder that people are feeling anxious in 2021. In fact, if you go back to July of 2019, 8.2% of adults showed signs of anxiety disorder. Fast forward one year in July of 2020, 36% of adults showed signs of anxiety disorder. You say, it's real. In this series called Emotions, we're looking at emotions that Jesus endured and some of them uh, that he expressed in, in his earthly ministry and his earthly life. And you know, I want us to, to start by acknowledging anxiety is, is complicated. It, it is, it's multifaceted. It's, it can be physiological. It can be an emotional thing. It can be situational. Sometimes, just walking in a in a building can make you feel anxious. Some of you students are saying, "Every Monday morning at school, I'm feeling that's because you didn't study." All right, all right. Maybe a little bit different, but walking into a hospital, it, it brings certain feelings or emotions or anxieties in your life. And sometimes it could be, uh, you know, emotional. It's situational. It can even be spiritual uh, anxiety. And what happens is. All of these things, as we acknowledge it this morning, I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional, but I'm telling you, I'm not speaking from all of those. But I can speak from the spiritual aspect of what anxiety does in our lives. Some of you may need to see a doctor. Some of you may need to get on some type of medicine to help with anxiety. Some may you need to see a counselor. And I'm not going to. I'm not trying to uh, diagnose anybody in any way, shape, or form. But As we take a holistic approach this morning, I want us to focus in on the Lord Jesus Christ and his earthly life and some of the emotions that he experienced and expressed. And and, and folks, if anyone ever lived a perfect sinless life, it was Jesus Christ. But there were real anxieties and things that he experienced in his life. Did it mean he sinned? Nope. Absolutely. Did it mean he didn't trust his father? Nope, absolutely not. He knew God's plan. He knew God's purpose for his life. All of these things. It might surprise you to look at Jesus though and realize he endured anxiety. And folks, how did he handle it? How did he respond when the devil is trying to discourage and destroy? In fact, you know what I want to do today is I want to look specifically at his response to anxiety and and see when jesus felt anxious how did he respond and i look at it's kind of like my 11 year old daughter whenever she is anxious sometimes i'll be riding in the car with her and maybe we're on the way to uh, gymnastics and she's a little anxious and all of a sudden she just starts talking I mean talking money miles an hour talking 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 and you're like oh my goodness could you breathe I mean just stop when well, you said the apple doesn't fall far absolutely not <laughs> it doesn't fall far in fact all the way through uh, elementary and middle and high school all of my teachers said David likes to talk a lot or he has he talks too much or, and I'm a chip off the old block I mean for my dad I mean it kind of passes down but but you start looking at it and, and Jesus began to talk and we'll talk but talking to your friends. Let's look at our passage in uh, Mark chapter 14. Look at verse 32 of our text. They went to a place called Gethsemane. He said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to uh, be greatly distressed and troubled. He says, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch Whether you're feeling overwhelmed this morning or not, whenever you're feeling anxious, whenever you're feeling a heavy heavy weight uh, weighing down upon you, it's really, it's wise to talk to godly people, spiritual people, uh, helpful friends, not just any old Joe Blow. I'm not talking about that crazy nut in your office. I'm talking about someone that you know, that you trust, that has a strong relationship with the Lord. Talk to them let them know hey i'm struggling i'm having a difficult time and it's okay to talk about anxiety it's okay to talk about our struggles and i want to give the context of john chapter 14 this conversation it was right after the last supper jesus had just met with his disciples for the last time before he would be uh, get get, be killed on the cross and give his life on the cross And, and that's what it was it was his disciples It was his inner circle, his closest friends. Judas, one of the 12, had just slipped away and would go and betray Jesus. We've, just on Palm Sunday, we we read that very passage in the book of Matthew, and we talked about what it must have been like because Jesus was sitting at the table, partaking of the Lord's supper, and yet he was saying, one of you is getting ready to betray me. And Judas said, is it, is it I? Is it, is it me? I mean, how would you respond to that? Someone who's been in that close to you, the proximity that he had, I mean, literally all of us would have done like Peter and taken the sword and chopped his ear off. I mean, we're have to, we're to uh, set him straight and that. Let me get a little closer to you. And I want to, yes, it is you. And I'm going to give you a piece of my reality is, These are the things that were going through his mind. And the Son of God, who was perfect and never sinned, the Word of God says, was deeply distressed and troubled. In fact, it was like a sinkhole, and it was a struggle to breathe, and the panic that was sinking all around him. Jesus was God in the flesh. He knew the horror of what was getting ready to come, because he was omniscient. He knew exactly the pain and the agony of the cross that was coming. He knew he would be arrested. He'd be tortured and beaten and spit upon. And he would die the death of crucifixion, the most uh, painful, uh, completely humiliating death possible. Even worse, Jesus was perfect and sinless, and yet he was about to become sin for us. He was be- going to become murder. And rape and adultery and and sex trafficking and all of these horrible things Jesus was going to become those sins for us the perfect holy Lamb of God would take on the sins of the entire world lust racism violence hatred all of these things Jesus became sin for us because of the holiness of God God could not look upon his own son. So Jesus knows that as he's dying on the cross, his father turns and will not even look at him because of the the weight of the the sin on on his body. He could not even look at that as Christ is bearing our sin. And folks, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There's agony there's pain there's emotional distress but watch the honesty that jesus has with his friends we talked about it last sunday sometimes when we're going through a difficult time you ask someone how they're doing and oh i'm fine <laughs> it got good i mean and we can throw on the the charm on sunday morning but the reality is is that's not where everyone lives 24 7 365. the reality is is there are often times that we struggle in this life here's what jesus did he didn't give the textbook christian answer this was jesus he says guys my soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow unto death in other words i ache so much on the inside i'm not even sure i'm going to survive tonight jesus is saying would you please sit here would you watch would you pray Would you wait here with me? There's a certain feeling of needing that community of faith around him. And I can describe, he talked to his friends. I believe one of the biggest reasons that so many people are battling anxiety today, you're feeling so anxious because you're lacking community. So, pastor, I don't need people in my life. I'm a introvert i'm just fine just me and my cat well that's the problem right there i mean dogs go to heaven but cat i mean i'm just i'm not i'm not going down that road i'm i'm, I'm playing i can't i'm not deeply allergic to cats so uh, I, and if i go to your house the cat will find me and climb all over me and uh, i i don't i'm not a fan of cats but um there's something about having community we were created to need community. We were created to have that. And, and folks, I, I'm afraid of uh, what's going to happen years down the road is, is all of the studies come back talking about what the last year or year and a half has done uh, psychologically to our culture, to the world as a whole, of isolating every single person for so long. The damage that's been done, folks, is irreparable. What's happening to our students, our schools, our adults that are so disjointed and, 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 and detached from, there's something about us. God even says in Genesis, it's not good for man to be alone. So all of you that are saying, well, pastor, the thing I like most about the pandemic is I don't have to see anybody. That's not a healthy place to be. And, and don't let the devil tell you it is. Because when you get alone by yourself and you're all isolated from, from people that you love and friends and family and, and coworkers and all of those people, they see warning signs in your life and they're there as a support system and you rip every one of those away and before long you have no idea the struggles that people are facing over the last year and a half. Anxiety, depression, all of the discouragement, the things that are going on. And, and people, uh, it, it's crazy to think, and, and people sometimes say, Well, Pastor, they'll send me a message, say, Pastor, will you pray about this? Absolutely. If I see the message, or, and I always tell people when they come out of church, they say, will you pray for me this week? I'm having surgery, I'm having this. Tell me, uh, send me a text. Because after talking to several hundred people, I'll forget the conversation. But yes, I'm going to pray for you. I don't want to encourage you. But you know what? There's something about praying in person with friends, with loved ones. The other week, I had the privilege to go to Miss Winnie Wagners and, and, and her and Rick are sitting back in the very back. Winnie is battling cancer. She told me this week, she said, Pastor David, I need to be at church. Bless you. God, but I had the privilege that day of I called Jackson and he and I went over there and we spent a few minutes just sitting in her living room and said, "Is it okay to come?" She said, "I want you to come in. I need that encouragement." And we talked together we wept together we prayed together but you know what with god's help she's going to beat cancer and with god's help we're going to get past this and we're going to look back saying god healed and delivered her from cancer but folks my heart was encouraged that day i know her heart was encouraged that day why because we need that prayer we need the encouragement we need the support of those friends But see secondly talk to your heavenly father Look at verse 35 of our text. What's he say? He says, And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. The second thing you can do when you're faced with uh, overwhelming feelings of anxiety and fear and, and depression, the second thing you can do is talk to your Heavenly Father. Let me explain it to you in such a way. Hopefully, it doesn't create anxiety uh, in in your own life, but as you talk about it, sometimes think about you're driving in your car, and you see that little light come on. For some of you, it's the the fuel light. (laughs) I mean, oh. There's nothing that will send me into a panic like the gas light coming on. And some of you are like, it's a a game. I mean, I've got 60 miles till empty, and I want to get all 60. I mean, I'm stressing when it's below a half a tank. And right now, mine is below a half a tank. And I mean, I'll probably stop on the way out of church today to uh, get some gas. But, you know, maybe it's that little exclamation point that comes on and, happens every year when the weather starts to change from cold to to warm or warm to cold. And I mean, the first time I saw it came on, I'm like, what does that actually, I mean, who reads uh, owner's manual? I mean, seriously, like, I mean, who's going to And so all of a sudden, I realized, oh, it's the, it's the uh, air pressure in your tires. And I mean, uh, and sheets gives you air for free, so I mean I'm going over there, and uh, I'll put that air pressure at the age on there and fill them up and I mean, I feel good to go, but every once in a while there's other lights that come on, and it'll send you into a panic my My son has a uh, an old car and, and uh if I'm ever t- every once in a while one of those light check engine lights come on, and I'm like, oh man I mean what, what how much damage is this going to cost us you know, and you start to panic some of you you pick up your phone and I mean, you look at that one little thing right there, and I want—I don't know if you can see it, but um, Shane, what does this number say right there? Nine thousand, thousand four hundred eighty-three. I can't see it here, but... Nine thousand four hundred eighty-three unread emails. <laughs> Anybody having an anxiety attack this morning? I mean, nine thousand four hundred thirty-eight or eighty-three, excuse uh, me, uh, unread emails. All right. I get so many emails in my inbox. There is no way, so sometimes I'll just hit "Mark is red I mean, I just want to clear it cleared off my phone. But there are two text messages, there are three Facebook messages, there's some in planning center, and you go over. Oh, there's 20 Twitter messages. There's uh, 14 in my food apps. I mean, who in the world is giving me free food? I, I'm sitting here thinking all of these things can create anxiety in our own minds, but. Folks, Jesus is telling us in Philippians 4, 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In everything, pray. Every situation, you pray. In other words, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Don't you love that? See, what happens is it takes the pressure off of us. I love an old fashioned altar. You know why? There's something about just coming down and leaving it at the altar. I realize in 2021, people don't like to, you know, I just don't want to, I don't want anybody to see me get, you know, worked up or they'll think I've, you know, committed some major sin or what, no. It's, there's something about leaving it at the, the, the foot of the cross, leaving it at, on the altar. and Whatever's on your mind, whatever's on your heart, talk to God. He said, I'm, I'm worried about my marriage. Pray about it. I'm worried about my job. Pray about it. I'm worried about my health. Pray about it. I've got decisions I've got to make in the next few weeks pray about it you guys just had twins and that was number three and four we've been praying for you we've been we've been right down that road but folks what happens is as you're going through the road of life there are going to be struggles that come your way that you can't avoid pray about it the job situations pray about it pray about the decisions you're making if you're worried about the pandemic pray If you're worried about the shot, pray. What what is anxiety? It's the signal alerting you it's time to pray. It's like that little exclamation point that comes up or the gas uh, tank that comes on in your car. It's a warning sign. It's time to talk to your Heavenly Father. It's time to pray. Verse 35 says, uh, going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed. He says, if it's possible, let this hour pass from me I, I love the the realness of this particular text i love what jesus is saying it's it's just honest it wasn't memorized it wasn't god is great god is good let us thank him for our food by his hands we are fed let us give us our daily bread i mean we, we we can rap prayers i mean these kids can I mean, they all you know lord we thank you lord we thank you for our food for our, and then we bless them i mean there's something about these rehearsed prayers, and yet yeah, for a little child, maybe that's okay. But when Jesus is praying, he's saying, God, I am broken. I'm broken at what's about to take place. And if it be your will, let this pass from me. In other words, Jesus is, is God, and he's God in the flesh. And, but from the depths of his soul, he's crying out to God, for relief, I love what one uh, First Peter, uh, First Peter five seven says: casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Isn't that awesome? What a what a reminder this morning! Casting all of your anxieties on Christ, on God, because He cares. So you might cry out loud to God, and, and folks, God wants us to be honest with Him. There are real conversations that I've had with the Lord and say, God, I'm not sure I want this anymore. I don't know what you're trying to do, but I'm tired of being in the direct line of fire. I'm tired of getting beat up. I'm tired of this. Folks, the devil's gonna fight on every, it's okay. Be honest with them. Jesus is saying, I know you sent me here with a purpose to die on the cross, but I mean, if it's possible, in any way possible, to let this escape and pass through me, I pray that you would that kind of honesty if there's any other way he says my soul is being crushed right now so talk to your spiritual friends talk to good friends that are going to encourage you in your relationship with god talk to your heavenly father and then thirdly and and some of you are going to say what are you talking about here pastor david he talked to his feelings you're some of you are saying "Uh, i don't know about that let's go to verse 36 of our text He said, Abba Father, all things are possible for you, remove this cup from me. And then he says, yet not what I want, what I will, but what you will. Think about it for just a moment. You talk to your feelings. I've got a question people sometimes will say, hey, I just go with my heart. I just trust my feelings on the matter. That is a dangerous way to live. If you and I revolved and lived according to our feelings we'd all be in jail by two o'clock this afternoon i mean seriously i mean someone ticks you off boy i'm gonna punch him in the face someone cuts you off in scripture i hope your car doesn't say follow me to calvary riley on the back because you're not acting like a christian i mean you start acting like this way and you get you blow a gasket so to speak you're all bent out of frame out of shape and what happens is if we're not careful our feelings will lead us down a bad path. Our feelings will destroy us. Our feelings will get us into all kinds of trouble. And so don't follow your feelings. Don't follow your, what, what feels in your heart at the moment. You tell Satan, get thee behind me, Satan. When he's trying to discourage you, when he's trying to destroy you, you say, get behind me. Sometimes you worry and obsess about things that never, ever happen anybody else ever find that out all right i'm, I'm the only one I mean, I mean you things you will worry and worry and worry and folks what happens is when we're not when we're worrying we're not trusting when we're worrying about the future about the past about the present it's going to destroy you it will destroy us what happens is You got to talk to your feelings about your faith and tell them how big your god is jesus christ has redeemed me from the hand of the enemy In verse 36 he says abba father all things are possible for you remove this cup from me he says yet not what i will but what you will that's what i want folks i don't want my will i want god's will his purpose to be perfected In my life, he didn't feel like suffering. No one ever woke up and said, I think I want to die for someone today. No one ever woke up and said, You know what? I just want to get beat up. I want to get arrested. I want to get tortured. I want to be nailed to a cross. I want to die. I want to bear all of the sins of the entire world. I want my clothes to be stripped off and hang there naked in the most uh, humiliating way. Folks, Jesus knew all of the things that he was getting ready to face. And when you start to feel like, you know what? God doesn't love me anymore. He's forgotten me. He doesn't. You say, no, no. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, have everlasting life. Jesus loves me. His word reminds me that he loves me. He cares about me. He cares about every area of my life. And folks, when you feel like you're you're all alone and nobody cares, you say no. God have not given me the spirit of fear. He, he's not done all, all these things. He says in his word, he will not forsake me. He will never leave me or forsake me. Whenever you're worried about your finances, you're saying, man, the, the month, my, my check has run out and I've still got seven more days uh, to, to, to make it for this month before I get paid. The Word of God says in Philippians 4, my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory by Christ. Start talking to your feelings and say, you know what, God's Word speaks to this matter. Say, Pastor, have you had moments in your life like this? Absolutely. And you have to tell the devil where he can go. You have to tell the devil, I I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I'm not a victim. I'm an overcomer through the power of Jesus Christ, God's son. What happens is, what did Jesus do when anxiety came? He talked to his, his disciples, Peter, James, and John. He talked to his close friends. He talked to his spiritual support system. He talked to his father. He cried out in, in prayer. And folks, and then he talked to his feelings. He says, yeah, this is what I might want, but Lord, I want your will to be accomplished. I want his will to be accomplished. So, Pastor, what's the application? Some of us need to tell our feelings this morning to get in line. Someone may have hurt your feelings over the last year or year and a half. I'm not making light of it. Those things are real. Maybe something happened in your life and nobody called you. Can I just say, I'm sorry? If it was me, I'm sorry. If, if it was your family that failed to call you in your time of need, I'm sorry. If it was your job that, that, that ran out, I'm sorry. If it was a spouse that ran out, I'm sorry. If it was whatever, the trial that's causing you pain and anxiety, I'm sorry. The reality is Jesus tells us be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven us. So that person who hurts you so deeply, if you keep holding a grudge and you hold on to it, it, that anger becomes bitterness. You see, the Bible speaks about anger. We're not talking about that today, but it says, be angry, but sin not. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You see, sometimes we get angry because we feel like we've been hurt. We've been robbed. Somebody's taken something precious of ours. And if we're not careful, that anger will drive to turn into bitterness. Bitterness will destroy you from the inside out like a horrible cancer. You see, bitterness gives place to the devil. Anger in and of itself is not all bad. Jesus said, be angry, but don't let it become sinful. It's okay to be anxious from time to time, but don't let it turn sinful. Whatever the person that's hurt you or or failed you, you forgive them. And the Word of God says you can move forward in faith. Talk to your feelings. Tell your feelings, I want you to align with my faith because I believe in a God who's a healer. I believe in a God who's a restorer. I believe in a God who loves me and gave himself for me and died on the cross for my sins. And folks, tell your, tell your feelings, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> you, know, you, you have to sometimes tell that to our own kids. I mean, you ain't the boss of me. You're not going to tell me what to do. No, you're not going to because Jesus Christ has redeemed me and given me a purpose and meaning i'm leading you back to my faith this is the truth on the matter jesus christ his word is so clear what did jesus do he talked to his friends he talked to his father he talked to his feelings and guess what it worked every single time you say pastor I don't know I've tried all that maybe you need to see a doctor I'm not, I'm not trying to I'm not in any way minimizing that maybe you do need to see some doc, a doctor and, and maybe you have to get on some medication maybe it's for a, a period of time to get through a difficult season of your life and there's nothing wrong with that in fact that's why those things exist but folks Jesus sought out people around him when he was struggling the most and, folks, he found comfort and strength. Yeah, his friends fell asleep on him. You know what? They're going to fail us from time. Even the people who claim to love us the most are going to fall asleep on us. I was talking to somebody the other night. They're, they're uh, watching over a brand-new puppy. You're not getting a whole lot of sleep. You got a brand-new baby in the house. You're not getting a whole lot of sleep. I mean, you need people to encourage you, to pray with you, to come alongside of you. Talk to your Heavenly Father. Talk to your feelings and let them know that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. You see what happens is as Jesus did all of these things the soldiers still came and arrested him they still beat him they still nailed him to a a, a cruel tree and he was executed uh, with our sins on his body but you know what he said he says no man takes my life Jesus was resolute he was strong he was full of faith he was determined he was unshaken he chose to lay down his life on the cross so when he was hanging on the cross creation was at its worst mocking and spitting upon the creator of the universe God in the flesh Jesus looked up to his father and what did he say father forgive them they don't know what they're doing that's the love of Jesus And yet he still battled anxiety. He still battled these struggles. He looked to to his father, and he was worried about the wrath of God coming out on them. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They've lost their minds. And then he finally said, it is finished. He had accomplished what his father had sent him here to this earth to do. And when he did that, he gave up. i love that you see when paul was in prison and we read the first six earlier in philippians 4 he says don't be anxious about anything he's writing this from a prison cell as he's in prison for preaching the gospel but i love what verse 7 he says don't be anxious about anything he says by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god and what does he go on in verse 7 to say he says And then the peace of God, which surpasses, what is that phrase, church? All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in who? In Christ Jesus. I love this. It comes full circle. All of the things that we're anxious about this morning, he says, the peace of God, when we give it over to the Lord, in prayer and thanksgiving fully trusting him he says the peace of god which surpasses all understanding what does that mean pastor david that means the world knows nothing of that peace they can't experience it the the peace of god that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in christ jesus because sometimes in our heart we know what's true but our mind is like where the feelings are there well I'm telling you I'll forgive them but I'm not gonna no you didn't forgive if you can't forget it he says well God our minds and our hearts in Christ Jesus so what we know is true and folks our mind is, is a, if we're not careful the mind is the devil's workshop and that's where he tries to discourage and defeat us That's where he comes out and says, you know what? You don't deserve this. You know what? No one loves you. You No one will keep your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. What a powerful promise you can make on this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of prayer. Thank you for the, the gift of your word as it speaks to our hearts. It gives us wisdom and discernment in these times of great trial and struggle. God, I pray for those this morning that need a, the peace of God in their own life right now. Those that maybe are battling anxiety or depression, they're discouraged. Their heart is very heavy right now. God, I lift them up before you. this is so real and and people all across our our churches today are struggling people all across our nation are, are struggling this morning and the devil has been having a heyday and it's time for the church of jesus christ to put god back in his rightful place and make him first priority in our life god you are essential church is essential we need you God we need your strength we need your help this morning every head is bowed every eye is closed this morning how many would say Pastor David I need this morning I need the peace of God right now in my life whatever it is God knows We say, Pastor David as you go to prayer in just a moment would you pray for me I need the peace of God would you slip your hand up very quickly and quietly Thank you. Amen. Somebody else, amen, all over the building. I need the peace of God this morning. Amen. I see those hands all across the building this morning. Let's just slip it up quietly and quickly. Let me see it. Pastor David, I need the peace of God this morning as you go to prayer. Thank you. Somebody else, I see those hands all across the building. Pastor, I need the peace of God. Amen. Somebody else, amen, all across the building. God is speaking to hearts this morning. Would you remember me in prayer? I need the peace of God right now. Thank you somebody else Holy Spirit would you speak to hearts this morning Lord emotions are such a it's a gift from God it's such a part of who we are but God if we're not careful the devil can take our emotions and wreak havoc and cause damage that destroys relationships destroys homes destroys churches destroys nations God I pray we wouldn't act on the fly I pray we wouldn't act out of uh, out of guilt or anxiety or fear but God we would come forward in faith what I pray for these that need the peace of God right now Lord that they would reach out to people uh, that they know love the Lord people that they know love them and care about them and, and reach out for help and say I'm not okay I'm struggling, I I need some encouragement. I pray they would get plugged into a small group where they can build relationships and community with other people who also are going through difficult times in their life and can encourage one another and pray for each other. God, I pray even more importantly, they would go to you in prayer. And Lord, that realize that anxiety and depression and fear is like that warning light that's coming on on the dashboard. And it may drive us to our knees and say, God, I need you now more than ever. Instead of running away from the church, may it cause us to run deeper into the church and and grow in relationship with you and cry out to God. And just as Jesus cried out in the garden of Gethsemane in his agony and pain, God, we know that you heard his prayer and you answered God, help us to speak up to our feelings when anxiety is seeking to take hold in our life. God, I pray that we would remind the devil of his future when he reminds us of our past. I pray that as fear tries to overtake us, we would be reminded of the promises of of God and, and what it means to know God as our Lord and Savior and have that personal relationship. And God, may this morning you give the peace of God It surpasses all understanding. Lord, each person who raised their hand today, acknowledging they need the peace of God, may you restore that in their heart this morning. May they leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and changed. We'll be careful to give you all the honor and glory. In your name we pray. Let's stand our feet. So we sing our...